Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Online versus in-person run coaching. Online run coaching has been a big hit in the last 10 years with the growth of the internet age and social media. Prior to about 2010, almost all coaching was done in person. There are still a lot of in-person groups that are around, but we have coaches who started with in-person coaching um, at run groups or at the high school, college level, but then eventually over time, they moved into these online coaching roles and the online run coaching space just with technology advances and personal preferences for having the training being a little bit more customized online versus in person. So there are a lot of similarities uh, with run coaching in person and online. Obviously, you're both run coaching and prescribing workouts to athletes, but there are also a lot of differences, probably more than most people would think. Um, so some people might be navigating the waters and trying to figure out like what is better for them. Is it better to do in person or is it better to do online? And obviously we're an online training group. So maybe some people are like, this is just going to be a sales call, but really it's not. We're going to go into the, uh, the thing that we're going to go into details as to what makes group coaching in person beneficial. We're going to talk a lot about the benefits that are there um, that are not present online, but we're also going to talk about kind of why we moved to online coaching versus the in-person groups. So there's obviously drawbacks to each type, but we kind of wanted to expose kind of what the the pros and cons are so that you can kind of make the informed decision for yourself. And also, you know, if you're really smart, like some of our athletes, they have been able to utilize both their groups in person and our online training. I'm going to kind of do more of like a hybrid approach, which is really, I think, the best way to go if you're trying to get the most benefit out of both types. So we wanted to do a deep dive into our experiences um, and then talking with Coach Jason, who has extensive experience in both realms and um, in one of his latest positions before working with Run for PRs, it, they were trying to do more of a hybrid model where they were doing um, individualized online run coaching and they had the, the group training in person. And so we're just going to kind of talk and discuss um, why that is that people are kind of making that switch on online and just what the benefits are of, of both. So Jason, how did you start with your coaching? Um, what, what is it like in person when you coach? Cause some people listening, maybe they've never worked with a coach either online or in person. So what is it like, um, in person and what was it like, like your first couple coaching experiences was online coaching even a thing? 
Yeah, well, I first got started coaching um, in 2009. You know, I assisted a little bit with the distance team at my college, and then I moved to the high school level where I coached um, probably four or five different schools over a six-year period, um, cross-country and track, so ranging from, um, you know, the distances from the from 800 meters on the track up to the 5K distance uh, for cross-country. And, um, you know, it was primarily high school athletes, so young males and females between the ages of, like, 12 and 18, and um, I did that for a while and then um, was mainly an assistant coach. And then I stepped into a role working with um, adult athletes at um, both a running room at, for a marathon training clinic and then also at Lifetime Fitness, um, coordinating our, our run groups there, trying to prepare you know athletes for a 5K or half marathon or marathon distances. Um, and I would say the biggest difference would be, you know, at the high school level, and even at the collegiate level, the, the focus and the emphasis a lot is on the team, the team aspect, right? So you're not only training athletes, but you're, you're trying to build this social camaraderie and, um, you know, the team success is you're being evaluated based on like how your team performs at certain meets and stuff. So it's a lot different as opposed to doing the training groups at the adult level, um, like at Lifetime Fitness, for example, we're not even though we did have a racing team, it's not like you're being evaluated, like how well you perform as a team. Um, we're just trying to field the team at each event and make sure we fill up spots, make sure we have enough um, men and women representing us for um, open age group and also master level runners. But um, I would say that that was one major difference was you're doing a lot more like team building. And then at the adult, um, you know, at Lifetime, our in-person run groups is more about just getting together for the mileage, for the runs, um, maybe some light core work afterwards, Um, but other than that, there wasn't a lot of, um, talk around like, um, you know, strategizing for races and how to pacing and, and, and running with a pack and that sort of thing. So those are kind of some of the major differences. Um, so if you're thinking about doing in-person coaching, you just have to think about, you know, what are the big differences if you're training at the youth level versus the adult level? Um, the distances also are a big difference too. Obviously youth aren't going to be training for the marathon or half marathon. Right. Yeah. I think it was really interesting to hear you talk about just the daily interactions and, and coaching the people in person and, and visualizing that, you know, as we're, as we're talking. Um, so when I was in, you know, the only other sports that I ever played were, you know, volleyball, basketball, and some competitive cheerleading, like in middle school and early high school. And from what I remember, it's like when you, when you were at practice for those sports, it's very much like a team sport, meaning that not to say cross country and track are not a team sport, but it's that when you're playing volleyball, it's like you have to actually have other people there. Otherwise, you can't actually practice what you're going to do. Right. So it's like you have to have other people to like bump the ball and like spike it and all those things. And if your teammates aren't there, you're not able to learn how to kind of play together and it matters. Like the team chemistry really matters and you have to practice together and be in sync and all that stuff. Same with, um, you know, cheerleading. It was like when we ran our whole routine, cause it's like this three minute routine, every person had to be there. Um, and you, you know, you're, you're flying people up in the air and, each person really matters. And like, if one person's gone, like the whole team, you can't, you have to like forfeit. You can't really like do the, you know, the, the, the routine. So when you come to distance running, it's a little bit different and that, you know, there is the one coach and it's the same with all the other sports in high school. You only get like the one coach, maybe you have assistants, but 
everyone is training kind of on their own. And so at first you get this thing like, oh yeah, we're like, we're a team. Like it's super cool. Like, yay, we're all in this together. But I'm sure having gone through cross country in high school yourself, you can definitely say that there were people on the team that you never ran with. You didn't, you know, there was no dynamic there. You never did workouts with them. You never were going to do the same distance, the same pace, anything as them. And there was maybe one or two people on the team that you ever did workouts with, but sometimes you probably even did workouts alone. I'm just assuming that, but that seems to be the case with most distance um, teams. And so it's a little bit strange because it's like you break them off into groups and sometimes you break them off into groups and someone's alone or, you know, the, the top runner, like maybe you were, they get their own little training. And so it's just very individual. And so running, yes, it is a team sport, cross country, whatever, but talk to me a little bit about how it is more individual than it is a team sport in many ways and how coaches often have to tailor the training plan specifically to each athlete on an individual level. So what are some things that you had to do and prep for practice um, to make sure each person was kind of getting that individual need met? And did you ever feel as a coach that like you were kind of neglecting certain people because you were focused kind of more on, you know, the top people or the bigger groups of runners, whereas you're like, oh, shoot, I kind of forgot about that little two-person group over there. Um, How does that kind of sway the dynamic of the coaching? Yeah, you definitely did a great job there articulating some of the main differences for in coaching, uh, in-person coaching, especially at the kind of that that youth level, high school, college. Um, You know, even though you you might be at a competitive level, even the college level, you'd think every runner on the college team is at a certain level. But the reality is there's quite a variation in the ability levels. It's kind of similar to going to the adult clinics. Um, You have your people that are going to be running you know, nine minute miles on their easy days. And you're going to have guys that are running like six forty-five, seven minute pace and, and then everywhere in between. So there is a lot of um, work that goes into the planning for the workouts. You need to analyze people's race performances, um, prescribe certain paces for the distances that you're going to be doing. Um, um, another thing is like your higher level athletes might be doing more reps of something, or they might be doing longer reps. Like maybe they can handle like three mile threshold runs where other people can only handle like um, you know, one mile at a time and then they have to have a break. Um, so you have to think about like the routes that you're going to be doing. Um, you might have to wheel off a certain course for one group and then make it shorter for another. Um, another big thing is the racing season, right? So in track, it's different because everyone runs different events that may be from 800 meters to the mile to the 5k and the steeplechase and all that. And so athletes are warming up at different times. A lot of times they are more independent on managing their own routine before the warm up. Uh, making sure they get their warm up in their cool down in, um, um, figuring out pacing plans. And then for cross country, at least they're running the same race distance so they can all warm up together. Um, but not everyone on the team season ends on the same date. So you want to start to kind of taper kids off at certain parts of the season and get them to peak for their race, which might end in mid October, whereas the rest of the team or other kids might end in early November. And so, yeah, it's a lot of those nuances, a lot of those like different, um, things that come into play which can make it definitely challenging. And you mentioned like the in-group, um, when, when groups are just tr- traveling around doing different workouts, that's where an assistant can come into play to make sure you're not you know, neglecting those, those groups. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, cross country and track, some people are sitting there like, what? Like, what, what, what are all these things? The season, races, all that stuff. They're, it's all a little bit different. But when you first started coaching adults, you actually started at a group level because all you had kind of really known was that in person, you know, you did high school, middle school, all that stuff. Um, so then you're like, yeah, I'm going to transition into in-person adult coaching. And so, you know, it's very similar. A lot of like cross country and stuff, it's like you have the groups and, you know, they're sectioned off and a lot of the times they're doing different workouts, um, maybe training for a little bit different events. And so how kind of is that transition, um, working with a cross country high school team versus working with adult recreational athletes. Did you find that there were a lot of similarities and, and kind of the struggles and obviously the benefits, or did you find that, you know, people, there were less, um, chances where people were breaking off into doing their own workouts or kind of tell me a little bit more about that group training that you did with adults. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities um, from just thinking about the day-to-day runs. Um, you know, number one, not knowing who might show up, right? Because it is like open to anyone. So any member can come and it might be a new member who's new to running. Um, and so they maybe want to do some run walk, um, you know, intervals, and they may be looking to run like up to two miles. So you have to think about routes too, and think about how to accommodate, you know, maybe dropping certain people off at four miles and then at six miles. Um, pace groups as well. You know, we do have some like run lead staff members and we try to split up as best we can so that no one's really left alone. But sometimes, you know, the, the reality is people fade during the run and they, their pace changes. And so sometimes they end up being on their own or someone stops to use the bathroom and stuff like that. So there's a lot of similarities. Um, thinking about like our training groups, like let's say we're all training for a spring marathon. You know, sometimes it's not always the same marathon on the same day. Some people might be racing a week later mm-hmm. or a week before, depending on if they, you know, qualify for Boston or whatnot. And so that can be difficult too, because if you're showing up for your, your weekend long run, you know, you have to think about having those different distances, um, to accommodate people that may be on a different, slightly different schedule. Um, but you know, the, the before and the after and a lot of the stuff, you know, during the run, as far as like fuel and water stops, that's going to apply to everyone. And so you just really want to make people feel like, um, they're getting, you know, kind of the same experience regardless of their, you know, their differences as far as ability level and pace and distance for the day. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting to hear you talk about, you know, the group experiences. It's definitely bringing back some memories because I know you kind of did that from like 2013 to 2016-ish. Um, so a couple of years there with the group training. And and obviously adults are all training for kind of different races. And even within the same community like the Twin Cities, um, not everyone's training for the Twin Cities Marathon in the summer, right? So everyone kind of has their own races that they're they're training for. And then the training is, is more um, broad. And it's like, well yeah, your peak week is in two weeks, but we're doing 20 this week. So you can either cut it short or just do the 20. So you get a lot of like things like that on your training plan. And I guess I'll just kind of speak from my experience being a consumer of the product (laughs) or of the service that you kind of gave, um, you know, the, the club that you worked for lifetime fitness, lifetime run, very big group, right? Like there's a lot of people that ran, I think, especially during the time that you worked there, um, the group was huge. Um, and at St. Louis park specifically, I mean, there would be days where there'd be like 300 people that would show up to these, um, training cycles. So it was really awesome. And I like to go just for 
the uh, the camaraderie of being able to run with other people. I think no one really wants to wake up on a Saturday after a week of work and go run 20 miles by themselves. Um, maybe some people do, but I think the thought of running with a group, there are a lot, just a lot of like social benefits there and just the not being alone and, and having people to run with. And it's more exciting. And I mean, it's kind of like the same reasons why people go to a race, right? Um, and then the water stops. There's, there's tons of benefits to doing these, these longer group runs, right? So what I found is I would show up, go to these runs, um, and they're, they break you off into pace groups, right? And that was usually okay. But what I really struggled with is that people were not running the pace that they said they were going to run, or people were just running too fast for their long runs. Um, and for some reason that like frustrated me as an athlete at the time, um, just because like, I'd go there, they'd say, oh, like, what are you trying to run for the marathon? Because that's really how they would separate you out. Even for, like, the Boston training, they're like, what's your marathon PR? Anyone who's above 330, you can run in this group. And I was like, at the time, like a three, 319 or whatever. Um, and they ran just way, 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 way too fast. And so there was no one really the pace that I wanted to run. And I found that, like, I was either forcing myself to go too fast or I was just forcing myself to like go in the pace group a little slower than me and then like I felt not really welcomed with that group because like they thought I should be running the faster group and then if I like left them four minutes or four miles into the run like I would just be running on my own right so I kind of got in this predicament of like well there's no one for me to run with or like no one wants to run the pace I'm running and I think that's that's really common and I think what ends up happening with like social pressure obviously I'm more of like an introvert so I could care less if I run by myself but if I was an extrovert and I really wanted to talk to people I feel like I would get stuck probably just running too fast for all of my long run days um so I guess just discussing that topic in general did you ever see that as an issue that would sideline people or like hold people back like did you ever see someone that had potential to be fast but because they were in this group environment constantly and their friends were forcing them to run a little bit too fast every day that it was just like never gonna they were never gonna reach that potential yeah you brought up some really good points and I a lot of like people that I know their names kind of came to head here but um you know you you talked about being kind of strung out into this group and being pushed faster than you wanted to go. And the thing about these in-person groups is you're meeting once a week. Sometimes it's more than that if it's, you know, if they have a weekday option as well. But um, everyone's kind of on their own journey, like during the week. And we, we all have different like tendencies. And so like you, for example, you probably had a hard workout that week, like on a Thursday or whatever. And so you're just looking to get your long, easy running. And here you go with this group that's going to do like a lot of marathon pace work. And you just, you, you don't want to do that. Um, and you never know like who in that group, what their training looked like during the week. That's the thing is like some people, it, it's, there's not a big system for accountability. Like you could get away with literally not running all week and showing up and then like doing your long run and having it be too fast. And that could set a person up for an injury. Um, other people, they maybe are running here and there during the week, but they're not that motivated to train on their own. So they're showing up and then they're ready to go hard on, on the group run because, hey, that's their thing. They're a social butterfly. And so they, they go hard. And then you have the people like you who are find no problem getting their, their um, not just their weekly mileage, but also their workouts in during the week. And 
you're trying to follow more of like a standardized plan, a scientific approach. And so um, you're trying to do everything right. And that can be, that can just be difficult. So you're bringing all these adults together who maybe have all these different training tendencies during the week, and then they're forced to run together. Um, and sometimes it can bring out, yeah, it can sometimes bring out competitiveness. It can sometimes bring out just making not the wisest decisions in terms of like your training and your pacing for that day. Um, maybe going longer too. Like maybe, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to stop by myself and go back. So I'm going to do this entire lake, which is another three miles. And now I'm going to end up with 15 instead of a, an 11 or 12 mile long run and that sort of thing. And so those are the things that happen like all the time with the group training. Um, so just, and as a coach, it's really difficult to like call an athlete out at the adult level for doing these things wrong. Like you, you don't want to do that. Like no one wants to hear that as an adult, right? Um, in person, it's different at the high school level. If kids are going too fast or they're running too far, you can have that conversation. You know, you're, you're pretty much training them every single day of the week. But at these sorts of um, cases, it's, it's really tough to manage. And so as we start talking about the, the differences with online coaching, it's a little bit easier to recognize with an, when an athlete, I think, is, you know, maybe not training the way they should be um, to kind of yield or aid in the results that they're hoping for. Wow, that just brought back so many flashbacks, so many memories. And I think the biggest thing that you said there, it's not that like we have a problem calling adults out. I don't think that we do at all, especially online when people have come to us and they say, hey, yo, my goal is X. We have no problem holding you accountable to that. But when you come into these like group runs, right, where you have like 100 people, there's one run coach guy who made the plan for everyone and Joe brought his four friends and Bob's there and you're like, okay, um, what, uh, what are you guys, like, what are your goals? And they're like, oh, we just want to, we're just here to run. Like they don't have specific training goals. So like you, yes, you're the coach of that group, but they don't actually care what you have to say. Like they don't actually want you to coach them to reach their potential. A lot of these people, they just are showing up because they want people to run with. They want to run with their buddies. And maybe they have a different coach who's like telling them to do something completely different than what you're telling them to do. So you just get such a wide range of people that are showing up to these group runs. And so as like the lead person, it's hard for you to identify each person who really wants that honest feedback versus who is just here because it's the only thing getting them out the door or because they just want to finish or just because they want to run fast, you know, like on that long run day, not like they don't care about reaching their potential. (laughs) So you could just say to them like, Hey, like if you just slow down a little bit, like, and they're like, dude, don't want to hear it. Like don't care. Right. And so it's hard to identify who is the person who really wants that, like, actual coaching to like reach the next level and obviously there were there were people there that you knew like genuinely wanted to get better and you kind of know who those people are but when they're surrounded by a bunch of people that don't care and don't want to like follow a scientific approach because they're just doing it for different reasons like I can totally resonate with that like sometimes I'm not in a training cycle and I just do not care about the scientific approach like I'm just like I just want to go out and just blow some gray zone miles <laughs> like no, it's just because I want to socialize with my friends and a lot of the people that show up to group runs fall in that category and so I think when you're surrounded by people who aren't following the quote-unquote rules it can get frustrating and that's where I was at so I was following more of like the scientific approach like you were saying um I had bought plans from coaches 
online or like following um, Hanson's method or whatever I was doing, or you would write me a training plan. So like I'd be doing, you know, these 50, 60 mile weeks um, training for, you know, a 315 marathon. Um, So I'd show up really heavy legs, lots of fatigue, and I was supposed to just run my easy long run, um, maybe a couple marathon pace miles. So you'd show up and there'd be a bunch of other people who are also, you know, at your fitness level, but they didn't run at all this week. Or they did like three, three runs that were like four to five miles. So they are just ready to go, right? They're like amped up and they're like, let's do like seven, seven thirty pace today. And so you start with them and you're like, why can I not keep up with them? Like, what's going on? Like, is there something wrong with me? Um, And so it's just really like, you have no idea what they were doing all week. Because like you said, there is that lack of accountability. Yeah, the coach writes these workouts, sends out the plan. But are these people really like in it to win it, in it to follow the plan? And just from our experiences at the various groups that we we attended, I can say that people did not follow the training that was written or if they did, it was like so sporadic. Um, but I also think to to their um, you know defense, there were just some people in that group. So like a lot of masters runners, I think maybe a little bit older, um, who used to be really fast runners. And I think as you turn into a masters runner, the training approach can really um, vary a lot more than you know, when you're starting out, when you're in your prime, when you're really trying to reach your peak. Um, Some people, when they move to master's runners or they are just like getting back into it after, you know, let's say they have 30 years of running experience like you in a couple of years, Jason, if you just totally want to flip a switch, these people can kind of get away with a different training approach because their aerobic base is so strong. Whereas like me, like 25 year old who had never really had a lot of running experience, I had to do a training plan that was like, specific to reaching my potential because like I wasn't quite there yet like I didn't have the background that they had like I had never ran a sub three hour marathon before like 15 years ago like my body hadn't developed an aerobic base so I had to do that grunt work of developing the aerobic base so when I went and I was trying to run with some of these guys that were you know really good runners they maybe didn't have to run as many miles as me they were maybe doing more of like a run less, run faster approach. Um, Maybe they were doing more cross training, that sort of thing. And so, you know, the training method that they were using was working for them. Maybe even motivationally, it was what worked. Um, I'm not really sure, but I think being surrounded in a group, it's really important with the culture of the group, right? So you're influenced by the culture of the group. And so I think that's really what's important when you are looking at the group runs is, are you feeling like it's helping or hurting you, right? So when I would show up, I had great intentions. I was like, it'll be really good to run with people because running with people like makes you stronger in races for a race day because it really does. If you're not used to running with people, uh, it can be really weird on race day to all of a sudden have to run with other people and use them as competition. So running workouts in a group is also really good because you can get a little competitive and you can kind of use each other to to push each other, all that stuff. Working out in groups, huge benefits. Um, But where it becomes maybe like a not so great benefit is if the culture of the group is negatively affecting you. So if I knew I was supposed to run eight minute pace on my easy run, but there wasn't an eight minute pace group and I felt like I had to run a little bit faster or people were pushing the pace or people were saying to me like, hey, 
Victoria, I thought you were faster than that. You should come around with us. And then they go way faster than I need to be going. Um, and then it torches the rest of my next week and I'm overly sore and I'm just frustrated. That's when I think it can get a little bit like rocky. So did you ever have experiences like that? Or is there um, any athletes that you kind of saw struggle with that? Or maybe people who just had to run on their own, um, eventually or like what were some of the other roadblocks that you saw with the group coaching and then obviously some of the benefits wow yeah i mean you said so many good things there that i resonated with me um you know again made me think of several runners that i know but i think there are a lot of positives and so when we think about like the in-person stuff as a coach you know the nice thing about um observing your athletes in person is you can look at like just you can watch their form, right? You can see how how they're looking. You can see if they're strong. You can get their splits, that sort of thing. If you're doing like a workout, um, so there's a ton of benefits to that. Um, plus, you know, you're working out with a group, so you can push each other, like you said. Sometimes that's hard to do on your own. Um, but yeah, a lot of those a lot of those drawbacks that you talked about, like during the week, like the accountability and the fact that everybody's kind of doing their own thing and then they're coming together. Um, it makes it really difficult to really customize for each person, like what they need. Um, and because everyone's there with different, different priorities and some people are trying to reach their potential and follow a scientific approach using progressive overload principle and they really want to achieve this certain time where other people are just showing up for the group aspect and getting their miles in, um, it does make it really difficult. But I think the athletes that, um, and it's okay to show up to a group, even if you are very like structured with your training, um, maybe you follow a training plan and stuff, but just, just know all these things that we're talking about and make sure you're disciplined with your training. And I think people have moved to online coaching just because, or the people that have moved to the online coaching are um, really wanting to get to that next level with their running, right? So they're willing to invest some extra um, money, but also some time um, and focus in, into their individual attention and training needs. Um, and so that's where I think as we shift here and talk about in-person or online coaching, I think um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of benefits in terms of like customizing their training and, and tailoring the training um, to the individual athlete and what they need. Um, and so, yeah, the one downfall though, is like, we don't always get to watch what a person looks like, or, um, you know, a a new runner. Sometimes we, I like to know, I like to look at a few things like their cadence and then also their form, just, especially if they mention any recent, um, injuries, I I'll ask them to shoot them, shoot a video of themselves running just to send it over to me so I can have an idea and maybe point out a few things for them to like be consciously thinking of while they're running. Um, so those are some of the ways that I kind of get around that um, when I work with adult runners um, online um, because those are a couple of the drawbacks. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the whole the whole group coaching in person, there's definitely benefits, obviously. Uh, running with people, it's huge. Um, even from like the social aspect, if nothing else, um, it, it can help you just stay motivated in new ways. And, and it does help with race simulation, I think, more mm-hmm. so than... Um, running on your own. I mean, you're, you're kind of forced to talk to people. You're forced to be in that group environment. Um, the water stops are definitely nice. There's just so many um, benefits there. But the drawbacks, kind of what you were saying, um, when you make the plan for the group, just because I know what you guys had to do and I know what I received when I trained with groups, um, you get like the one generic plan. And it's 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 a good gu- guideline, outline. 
very similar to something you would like Google. Um, usually there's workouts in there, which is great. And it, it wouldn't really be like pace specific because so many different eyes are going to look at this PDF and you kind of have to like assign your own sort of paces and it would be based on like your pace group. So when you show up, you would kind of see the other people who are as fast as you and you just do all your workouts with them and that would be like your gauge right so whoever you could keep up with is what you would be doing um and what that that works and I think that approach works for people but what we started seeing happen and the conversations that I would hear a lot is people would like come up to me and be like hey like I have a question for you and they start asking me you know I, I just don't know if I can like do this one easy run this week, like, is it okay if I, like, cycle instead? And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm sure you, that's what you should do. Like, or they're like, oh, I'm not used to running, you know, 30 miles a week. And there would always be, like, these tweaks and these questions that would pop up. Or, like, they'd come to you and they'd be like, oh, I did, you know, this week of training and I had never ran more than 10 miles in my life, but it says on here to do uh, 14 this weekend. Should I do it? And And we'd be like, holy crap, like, whoa. These things, like, we didn't know each person's intricacies or whatever. Like, we didn't know each person had these um, these little, like, things that made each plan need to be tailored to them. And so I think that became really difficult because it was almost like you weren't doing preventative stuff anymore. It was like you were fixing, like, problems that came up. So someone's like, oh, well, I jumped to 20 um, cause I'd never done, I just started and I never had done more than 10 miles and we're like, what? Like, how did you, well, that's what was on the schedule. And we're like, oh my gosh, we had no idea. Um, because everything was just follow what the group, you know what I mean? And so it just became like really, it, it became tough to manage. And I think as a coach, you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, like I could have prevented that had I had known more specifically your scenario. And so I think Lifetime started to kind of get a little bit smart about that. And they were like, okay, people need like more individualized training because if people are coming here and they're expecting to like, it's not a one size fits all approach. You have to make things more personalized because if someone's used to running 10 miles a week versus someone who's used to running 50 miles a week and they're following the same plan, bad things are going to happen, right? And so bad things kind of did happen. I mean, you'd have people come to you or you'd have people really frustrated who like maybe like myself up to you and say, Hey, like, I'm just not improving. My legs feel like lead, uh, what's going on. And then you'd kind of have a conversation come to find out they're running way too fast on their easy days. And you had no idea because they're able to hold a conversation. They make it look like it's easy. But when you have that one-on-one convo with them, you're able to, you know, say, okay, like, what are your recent five K races? And it turns out they're getting slower. How would you, you would not know that being a group coach, because it's like, you don't get like an, a form that says all this stuff. You don't get to like email exchange with them every day, right? Like you don't really get to know them as an individual person and track their progress because you don't have access to their Garmin data. Like you're not doing all those things. You just made a plan and your job is to like help the group, right? So that's where there became just a lot of downfalls and they wanted you to kind of move into more of like the customized one-on-one plans. And then I think that's a tough sell, right? Like if you're a group coach and then you have the group plan, but then they also want you to like sell customized plans, uh, people still want to be able to, to run with their group. So kind of where I came up with the idea was like, I, we need to do like an online, like I want to start an online training thing just because I had so many runner friends that were coming to me for questions and I'm like, 
all right, customized plans because people were asking me questions all the time, right? So I kind of started the online run coaching thing um, with the training plans and it was really nice to actually be able to get an athlete background and be able to see exactly who I was writing the plan for instead of like writing some generic plan that, you know, 50 people are going to use. Um, you're able to actually set paces that are very specific to the individual set mileage that's specific set workouts that are specific. Um, whereas when you just have a giant group and you're trying to do like a one size fits all, there are some things that kind of pop up that make it difficult. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen making the switch to more of like a customized approach online that you were not able to do with the in-person groups? Yeah. Um, obviously from starting with the, uh, more of a individualized, individualizing the training, we can get a better background of like, um, each person's, uh, recent training, but also like their, you know, their lifetime PRs and all of that sort of thing, get a better understanding of like their, their lead up to this certain training period that you're starting. Right. Um, we also assess their fitness, their V dot, get a, get an actual V dot score that, um, reflects where they're currently at. Cause a lot of times you show up to the in-person groups and they'll, they'll tell you to run with certain groups based on the goal that you're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. but yet you're, and that pushes you into um, faster training zones than it should. So making sure people are training in the right zones, um, you know, starting off with the right volume too, not doing too much or too little, um, progressive overload principle, of course. Um, but one of the big benefits too, I think is, is the feedback that we can get as coaches. So we can, we can start to see here, um, with through weekly check-ins and through that, you know, requesting that the athlete tell us how the workouts go, you know, you can assign a score one to 10 for RPE and, you know, smiley face or frown face and that sort of thing. And we can start to see, um, how athletes are feeling about their training. Uh, we can make sure they're getting the training done because if they miss a few days here and there, we might tweak the training and, and adjust it, modify it. Um, so that when they kind of start up again, it's not, it doesn't seem like as such a heavy load. And so there's so many benefits to, you know, online coaching. I think, um, if, you know, if you've never done it before, it's worth, a, it's worth a try just to see, um, if it works for you. But I think that it can take time as well for it to pay off, you know, just like everything running can take, it can take months and years and it might take a few training cycles before you really achieve like your goals. Um, but in reality, we want to improve kind of like our, our, our average time, um, our averages. So basically when we think about averages, I'm talking about like, um, race results. So, you know, just because you run a PR, that doesn't mean you're always entitled to running that PR time every year or every race. Um, a lot of factors go into that. Obviously we know weather, competition, your training cycle, all of that phase of life. Um, but if your averages are starting to come up, like all around, you're getting better at different various distances, that's going to help produce a better opportunity, a better chance for getting PRs in the future. And so that's what I'm talking about when, my, when I talk about just becoming a better um, all-around runner. Um, so those are definitely some of the benefits when you move to online coaching. The other thing is, um, you know, sometimes in person, you, you for, if a question comes up, and you forget, you may forget, whereas you can just shoot your coach an email or, you know, write a comment. And so we see that right away, which is nice. Right, definitely. And just someone who has done the the group stuff in person, sometimes it's like you don't get a lot of interaction with your coach unless you kind of are the person that instigates it because there's so many people that are there. And I think just being able to have that open dialogue and open conversation and and talk about like yourself and your training and the questions that you have to ask like on your terms can be huge because sometimes it's like I I had questions but 
I felt like I didn't want to take up the group's time with them or, you know, you just kind of have this um, complex about it sometimes. I, I just didn't really ever feel comfortable asking my questions in front of the group or taking up the time of the coach during the group's time because I thought maybe like it wasn't as important or whatever. So I, I like the, the online customization more just because it it is more one-on-one and obviously when you have a coach that the whole group has it's not really one-on-one anymore like they don't really know you you're just following like the group plan um so I I kind of felt like I shouldn't ask the questions because I'm not really like paying for that service um those sort of things I do think you know working with online coach can can definitely help in different ways because they are being able to see your Garmin data. So like we're able to see things that are going on. So are you stopping excessively um, during your run? Like, are you hitting your paces? What exactly are your splits? Whereas like if you're in person and you do a workout, um, usually you don't like report back to the coach and tell them like what your splits were and they don't ever really tell you, okay, so for next time, like let's try to do X, Y, Z. Um, maybe really good group coaches do that, but I think, you know, at the adult level, they don't really track your splits as much and give feedback on that. But I think that is something that really helped me when I had an online coach. Um, and then just working more on like the mental side of things as well. So being able to report like how you felt on a workout and kind of like what was going on mentally, um, right after like you're done within the app. Um, I think it's huge because if you can kind of get an insight as to like what is going on in an athlete's head, like immediately after a run or during a run, um, you can kind of get insight into maybe what's holding them back. So, you know, sometimes just talking to an athlete and establishing that relationship, you're able to better see what exactly is the thing that's holding them back, um, or what their strengths are. Right. So I like to utilize athletes strengths. Um, you know, if they're really confident, it's like, you want to really play up their strengths and help them like shine those strengths even more and see like what they're really good at. So if someone's like, I love doing speed workouts, um, like maybe letting them do their strides or giving them 200 meter repeats just to kind of boost their confidence every once in a while. Right. But then also challenging them with other workouts and, and giving specific instructions. Like, I know you don't like tempos, but like, this is really going to help you grow and build your endurance as a runner. And so just really getting to know the person and giving them workouts that are really challenging them in new ways, um, even from like that mental, uh, aspect is huge. And so like for me personally, uh, I just got in the trap of running too many miles for a period there. Um, and I, I had a coach like, all right, be like, why do you do that? And, I was like, I don't know, you know, like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? And they're like, no, like, I think you're just, you're like overcompensating for something or whatever it may be. Um, I think if you did less, you would improve. And so getting that outsider perspective, having them really see exactly what you're doing, because I could go and tell people, yeah, I run 70 miles a week, but it's like when someone actually sees your Garmin upload and they see what you're doing, um, it's like, whoa, okay, I can really give you feedback based on exactly what I'm seeing, um, upload here. So yeah. Do you ever have any athletes that you feel like if you coach them in person, you wouldn't really know, um, like little things about them or like their Garmin uploads. Do you feel like that's a huge benefit to online coaching? Yeah, definitely. I think just seeing, you know, every single run, um, seeing not only that the run is getting done, but seeing the distance, the duration, the pace, um, you know, it definitely helps. And especially 
you know, one, I know one of the challenges for me is, is, um, you know, we know that especially over the summer, heat is a problem everywhere. Right. But people, we train people from all over the world. So everyone's kind of dealing with their own sort of weather. And so, um, you know, I'm going to keep that in mind when I'm looking at a person's training, um, to make sure that it, you know, it's obviously okay if paces are a little bit slower, especially if you're in a warmer part of the country. Um, so I'm thinking about those things too, when I'm looking at workouts, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at those tendencies of like, are they consistent? Um, are the paces too fast, too easy, too slow, too hard, all those things. Um, and then I like to be able to, the best part for me is like being able to look back because that is kind of the blueprint for like how I should continue to shift or, um, continue to add training for the future. You know, for example, if we don't want to be doing like the same thing that we did three months ago, if, if everything's still going really good, um, we, we want to add, we want to progressively overload. We want things to get a little bit harder. Um, so I think that that is one huge benefit too. Um, and then the other thing is like, if someone has a kind of a period there where they have to take time off, right. Um, it's much easier to be able to look back at the training log and, and be reminded of that rather than to just recall that from, one of your athletes, you know, at the in-person group training, because, you know, you don't have anything to like look at. So as a coach, it helps us be accountable as well. Um, but I just love the, yeah, the, the comments, the dashboard, the way it's set up. Um, it's, it's awesome. And then, you know, we can also look ahead and see, I'm more of a planner. So when I, I like to look at things from a calendar viewpoint, I can see like when the races are, um, and ideally your in-person coach should be doing the same thing. But like you said, it's not as like customized. It's just more of a general outline that you're going to follow. Um, so yeah, those are some of the other main benefits that I like for sure. Yeah. There's definitely benefits to online coaching and there's, you know, benefits to that to the in-person groups as well. So I think doing a combination of both if possible is really the ideal way to go so you know maybe you're doing you have your online coach that you're working with and then you maybe do a group run uh once or twice a month or every single weekend um where you have people that are running the appropriate paces and willing to do the long runs with you because i definitely think there's benefits to training with training partners as well so i hope that you got something out of this podcast and help you kind of navigate like maybe which one will work best for you in the future. So if you're someone who's really trying to reach your potential and get to know, you know, yourself and your own training, I think online coaching and working one-on-one with a coach um, is definitely beneficial. Um, If you're more someone who's just in it for more of the social aspects and and not really caring as much about, you know, reaching your potential or, uh, you know, running your fastest times or whatever, um, then maybe it makes sense to do more of the group group training approach. So if you ever have any questions or you want to try working with an online coach for free for seven days, just to kind of see what it's all about, check out the app, all of those things, you can fill out our website at www.runforprs.co and we can get you set up with a free seven day trial working with a coach right away. Thanks for tuning in.